Good morning. Um, let's, um, let's think about something. I, I, let me tell you um, about something that happened to me um, about six months ago. About six months ago, I got asked if I would invest £500 into Bitcoin uh, by one of my neighbours. He said, don't worry about it, Ben. I won't lose you money. I didn't do it. Guess how much I'd have earned in a month and a half? Three and a half thousand pounds. And uh, I missed out. I kind of thought, well, actually, this isn't, this isn't going to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm, not, um, I'm not the investing type. I don't really like doing the gamble. And, and I missed out. I missed out. I wonder whether there's anything that you've missed out on because, someone, uh, because you've just hesitated or something like that. Um, have you ever wished you'd taken that risk? Have you ever wished you'd taken that risk? Another thing that I used to do is people used to ask me to go paintballing with them. And uh, work colleagues used to say, come along paintballing. I'm like, mm, I don't know. All the times I've told you off at work, do I really want to get shot by you? Um, and, and it took me ages. And I kept saying no. And every time I'd come, they'd come back and say, you missed out, Ben. It was great. Never mind the bruises. It was great. And I'd always feel like I had missed out. And then one day I decided actually I'd go. And boy, did I love it. It was great. I loved it. I found out that actually I'm quite a sharp shooter. And, uh, and I managed to get them instead of them getting me, which was even better. And then we've been on church as well. But have you ever missed out because you've just took too long to make up your mind? Or you've just thought, well, actually, hang on a minute. This just doesn't meet my needs or it isn't quite for me. Well, we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at John uh, and chapter 1, continuing in that series of John and chapter 1. And hopefully, uh, with that in mind, we'll come back to it at the end, and we'll see what this passage has to say for us as well. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that we are here together today because of what Jesus Christ has done. Father God, I pray that today, this morning, that this would not be about me at the front, but this would be about your word and how you, by your spirit, are, are leading us through it. Father, I pray that you would give me your words to speak and not my own. That you would help us each one to hear what you have to say. That we would not be closed off to you, but that we would allow you, by your spirit, to work in our lives. Amen. So we're going through uh, John chapter 1. And I'm going to try and recap really quickly. I know I've got very little time uh, this morning because we're in a short service. So I'm going to recap very quickly. We've been looking at John chapter 1. And as Richard has taken us through this chapter, we've seen that God loves with an everlasting love. We see that God loves with an everlasting love and he brings indestructible life into a dark world. He brings indestructible life into a dark world. But how does he do it? He does it like this. He does it by giving of himself. We see in John chapter 1 that he comes and he gives of himself. Jesus, God's son, God himself, the creator. The word be, uh, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word became flesh, we see. The creator himself becomes human form. Takes on flesh. And he dwells among us. He comes and he lives among us. And he comes to give of himself. 
He comes to give of himself as a sacrifice for our sin against God. We've covered a lot, haven't we, in chapter 1. Our sin, we saw last week, not last week, the week before, is against God. The, the sin of the world is against God and therefore there is only one who can take away that sin. There is only one with the worth of God that can pay that penalty for it. And that is God himself. If you've got your um, Bibles open and if you uh, turn to chapter 1 and verse 18, we'll see that uh, what I've just been saying, it says in verse 18, it says no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with his Father. And then in verse 29, that we saw last time we were looking uh, at John. Verse 29, we see uh, John the Baptist. It says there, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming, towards him and he said look the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world john chapter 1 is so full so full of stuff that we need to know about god that we need to know about jesus christ the first chapter is the witness, the witness, sorry, of the first chapter is clear. Jesus of Nazareth is God, come in the flesh. God is here. And we're in verses 35 onwards, 35 to 51 to the end of the chapter. And this theme still carries on. You see, as we look at the, the book of John, the chapter 1 of John, we see the author himself, John, the writer, declares Jesus as God. In the beginning was the Word. And he carries on. The author himself declares it. And then we see that the author takes us to John the Baptist, who then declares again that Jesus is God's chosen one. Jesus is God's chosen one. You see that in verse 34, it says, I have seen, this is John the Baptist talking, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. And then we get to the passage that we're in. And we continue to see that John, the writer of this book, uh, this gospel book, wants us to see that mankind, uh, normal people who become the first disciples also Declare that this Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the King of Israel. See, he's, John the Baptist says, look, the Lamb of God. And then we see that Andrew says, we have found the Messiah, this is the Christ. Then we see that uh, Philip, he says later on, he says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets wrote. And then we see Nab- uh, no. Nathaniel, he says, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. The theme doesn't end in this first chapter that this is someone we need to take note of. This Jesus is someone who we need to see and come to know. And the chapter ends with Jesus himself 
as he declares that he is the chosen one of God. He says in the very last verse 51, he says, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now this is a new title that uh, John introduces us to here that will be used quite often throughout the book of John. But what does he mean, the Son of Man? Well, in Daniel and chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, I won't ask you to look for it through to time, but it says this. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence, and he was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He that will not pass away, and his kingdom is the one that will never be destroyed. John chapter 1 is all about Jesus. How great he is, how, how, much, how he is the creator, how he is sovereign, how he is the one who is bringing in this new kingdom, which John is declaring to us in this book. But as we look at these verses, I want to bring your attention to another big picture within these verses. I want to pull your attention um, to them to these verses and see that the big picture that we're looking at is this. This is my summary of it. Come and see that Jesus, the Son of God, is the one you need and his heart is for you. I'm going to say that again. Come and see that Jesus is the Son of God, the one you need, and his heart is for you. From verse 35 onwards, that we're looking at today, we see a response to what we've just heard. We see the right response, a response that should be provoked in anyone who hears about Jesus. Hears about the Son of God. You see, John the Baptist, he he declares, look, or behold, whichever version you want to look in. Look, the Lamb of God. Look, the Lamb of God. What does the Lamb of God mean? Well, we saw this a couple of weeks ago, and I'll recap this. Just keep an eye on the clock. The Israelites had to uh, bring a lamb without blemish to the priests. And that lamb without blemish was there so that they would lay their hands on that lamb or that goat And as they laid their hands on that lamb or that goat, the sin, the wrong that they have done against God would be passed onto that lamb. And that lamb would then be offered as a sacrifice, as a covering of his or her sin, of their sin, as that lamb was sacrificed. It would not take away the sin. But it would cover, it would be a picture of one who would come. One who would come that God would provide to take away that person's sin, that nation's sin, the sin of the world. 
And as that lamb was sacrificed, that person could go away knowing that they, could, they are right before God. And here, get the importance. John is talking to the Israelite people and he says, Look, the Lamb of God, who we know previously takes away the sin of the world. This is the one that God is providing in order to take away your sin and the sin of the world. The sin that stops you from being in relationship with God who created you. And we see that. John declares that. But what happens straight away? Straight away, two of John's disciples turn around and follow Jesus at those words. There's no delay. These two disciples of John just turn around and follow Jesus. If we're not careful, we can miss this really big, important fact. A disciple means someone who follows. So John the Baptist's followers, people who are learning from John the Baptist and are spending their living moments with John the Baptist, turn around and walk away from that teacher and follow Jesus. They follow Jesus. Now, to follow in, uh, there's a saying, I don't know if I'm going to get this right, but there's, uh, those, when the rabbis had their disciples um, in Israel, they, there's this saying about that they would um, be covered in the dust of the rabbis. The disciples would be covered in the dust of the rabbis' feet. In other words, they lived and they walked so cl- closely with the one that they were learning from that they would be covered by the dust of the rabbi as he flicked it up as he walked. They lived with them. They dealt, dwelt with them. And they had every waking moment with them. And these two disciples of John the Baptist who had spent this time with John, at his words, just turn away and walk off. See, John, we know that John was, say, is happy with this as well because he says before, the one who comes after me, his sandals I am not worthy to untie. He's, he is making the way for Jesus. And he's happy his disciples leave and follow Jesus. They leave. And guess what? Jesus notices. He notices, he turns around and he says to them, what do you want? He says, what do you want? And they say, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? From what I've just said, do you get what that means? The two disciples, they turn around and say, teacher, the one we, we want to follow you. We want to learn from you. Where are we, you staying? Because we want to follow you. Now, I think Jesus is asking the question, what do you want? Because in the Israelites, they had uh, this... In their mind, they were thinking that maybe the Messiah was going to be someone who overthrows the Romans and brings about a new kingdom by bringing a great military power to overthrow the Romans. And Jesus is questioning them, what do you want? And they say, we want to know more about you. Teacher, we want to know more about you. We want to know where you're staying. 
And Jesus' response is, come. He replied, and you will see. Come and see. Now, this is a risk that they took. This is a risk that they took. John had been preparing them for this, and they just took that risk. They went and stepped straight into it, and they walked, and they follow uh, Jesus. And they follow Jesus, and do you know what? They're not disappointed, are they? We read that actually, uh, so they went to where he was staying, in verse 39, and spent the day with him, and it was about four in the afternoon. And what happens next? They're so overwhelmed by this Jesus, this Messiah, that Andrew goes and gets his brother. He gets his brother and he brings him to Jesus. And he goes and says to him, look, we have found the Messiah, the Christ. We've found the one that God has sent to bring about a new kingdom. And Simon, he comes and he sees what it's all about. He comes and sees. I'm going to come back to Simon in a bit. But then after this happens, Jesus walks on. He says the next day they decide to leave for Galilee. Um, And finding Philip, Jesus says, follow me. This one who John is teaching us about, who's telling us about, is someone who deserves to be followed. Someone who we need to know more about. And Philip has a desire to follow him and he follows him. But even more than that, he goes and gets his friend Nathaniel. He goes and gets Nathaniel. I like Nathaniel's response. Let's read about it. Shall we? Verse, verse 44, it says, Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Asked Nathaniel. Come and see, says Philip. I love Nathaniel's response because that would be me. That is me. Uh, if you, to hear someone um, coming from uh, Nazareth was to hear of someone who's quite in the low quarters. Someone who's... Uh, you know, try and think, what can we say? Someone who comes from Birmingham? <laughs> I don't know. Dare I, dare I say that? No, I'm only joking. But do you know what I mean? We all know of, of places around this area that maybe that they're, they're maybe not the best areas. And can anything good come from those areas? And Nathaniel says, Nazareth? That dump? Can anything good come from Nazareth? You know, he's, how can the one, that the Messiah, the one that Moses talked about, the one that the prophets have talked about, come from there? Of all places, there? And Philip says, look, just come and see. Come and see. So he goes and he sees. He takes the risk. He takes the risk, and is he disappointed? He's not, is he? He's not disappointed. When Jesus sees Nathaniel approaching, he says to him, 
Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael says, how do you know me? Jesus' answer is amazing, isn't it? I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. This person from Nazareth, who's coming from the slums, really, who's coming from nowhere, knows Nathanael before he even utters a word. He knows Nathanael's character and he knows where he's been and what he's done. I don't know what Nathanael was doing under the fig tree. There's a lot of people that speculate that maybe he was, uh, he was resting in prayer. Maybe he was calling out to God, where are you? I need you. Maybe he was there in desperation. We don't know. But Jesus saw him. God saw Nathanael. And Nathanael realizes that this is no one who is ordinary. This is someone who is special. And he says, he declares, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. The correct response to knowing who Jesus is, is to follow him. Is to follow him, to learn, to want to know more about him. How can you see or hear about someone so wonderful and so marvelous, so, so powerful that he speaks the word and it exists? And not want to know more. The response that John wants you to, to see is that you need to find out. You need to, you need to follow him. You need to come and see. You need to just stop thinking about it and take the risk and let him into your life. This, uh, these accounts of the first disciples coming uh, to be with Jesus are quite wonderful. And I'm just going to just bring your attention just to Simon. Simon, when, when he approaches Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, you are son of John. You'll be called Cephas, which is, when translated, is Peter. Peter and, and Cephas, 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 however you say it, both have the same meaning, rock. Peter, we know, if you, if you know the Gospels, you know Peter's the person like me, and he puts his foot in it all the time. He speaks first and he thinks later. Peter is the one that uh, chops off the guard's ear. Jumps in with a sword. He always acts before he thinks. And yet Jesus says to him, I'm going to make you the rock. I'm going to change you into someone that is dependable. I'm going to change you into the rock. And later we know that, that Jesus says to Peter, on this rock I'm going to build my church. You see, when you come and you follow Jesus, you're not going to stay the same. He's going to work wonders in your life. 
Nathaniel comes along and look, Jesus knows who he is, what type of person he is. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And he knows him personally that he knows where he is at every point in the day. He knows that he, is un- he, was, that he was under the fig tree. He knew him. You see, John wants us to come and see. Come and see that this Jesus, the Son of God, you need him. You need him because you need your sins forgiven and he is the Lamb of God. He is the one that takes away your sin and makes you right with God and puts you in a relationship with him. But also, he wants you to see that his heart is for you. He doesn't want to leave you where you are. He wants to take you and he wants you to be improved. He wants you to see that he loves you and he cares for you and he has a plan for you. He wants you to see wonders that he's going to bring about in your life. Jesus says to Nathaniel, look, you believe because I told you. I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. Then he added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. I don't know whether Nathaniel physically saw that. It doesn't tell us. What it does allude to is even uh, Nathaniel, when he talks about Nathaniel's character, it takes us back to Jacob. Jacob was, uh, his name was changed to Israel. And he was a man with deceit, of deception. But Nathaniel is called, let me get it right, a man in whom there is no deceit. A true Israelite. I can't even find it now. He truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So we get a reference to Jacob. And then we get Jacob's ladder, the reference to Jacob, when he is a fugitive and he, he sleeps and he, he has a vision. And he sees a ladder going up to God and angels coming and going along this, down this ladder. And Jacob, when he thinks he's all alone, God says to him, you're not alone. Look around you. The heavenly host is here on my command to protect you. I am with you. And what does he say to Nathaniel? You're not alone. My heart is for you. You will see me, God. Walking among you. You will see wonders. You will see. Well it's undescribable isn't it. Angels and heavenly hosts. Going up and down. Ascending and descending on the son of man. John wants you to realise that. uh, That he's worth looking at. Jesus is worth looking at. Come and see. The Son of God is the person you need. And his heart is for you. Now what does that mean to you if uh, you haven't, uh, you don't know Jesus at this point? If you haven't decided, you're, you're looking at this risk to take. What does that mean for you? Take the risk. You will not be disappointed. Follow him. Come and see 
This is also an introduction to the rest of the book. We're going to come and see. We're going to, as we look through John, we're going to come and see this, this Jesus Christ, the creator of the world. We're going to see the miracles that he performs and the, and the way that he is sacrificed for us, for you and for me. Come and see. Take the risk. What does it mean for us that do know Jesus? How do we, what do we take away from this? You say, well, actually, I know Jesus and I'm following him. Well, look what the disciples did. As soon as they realized who he was, they went and they got, didn't they? They went and they found their friends and they said to them, come and see. They didn't hold him for themselves. They didn't say, well, he's my teacher. He's not yours. You can't join this class, not this semester. They said, come and see. He knows you. His heart is for you. He wants to bring you into his kingdom. The Messiah is bringing about a new kingdom. The Christ is bringing about a new kingdom. And that is full of those people who follow him. Who want to see him. Want to know him. What are you doing? Are you taking the risk? Let's pray.